Do you remember the first day on the job after you graduated from school? The other day I was remembering the first time I put my child into a car seat to bring her home from the hospital. Do you remember the first time you felt God's presence? Maybe it was at a church service or like a lot of us, like that summer camp moment. Like these are memorable moments where we feel alive. There's an energy, there's an excitement, there's a mix of anticipation, uh, wondering what's going on. But in those moments, we're not asleep. In those moments, we're fully present to what's going on. And if you're like me in those moments, I wasn't taking anything for granted. I was just in awe, especially with my first job. Okay, my, my child too. But even just experiencing God's love and grace in those moments, it is, for me it was Sunday night church services or the last night of summer camp, all those warm fuzzies where you just know God is here. But as we go through life, Sometimes those moments can feel like they are a long, long ways away, that we've gone a long way down the road. And I kind of remember what that is. Uh, and especially if we're, we're just on autopilot, those feelings feel like they're even further back. Those moments feel like they're even further back. And these are the kind of moments that were in the mind of Chris Brown and the Elevation Worship Team when they were writing their single, More Than Able. We'll put a link to that here in the in the description. It's such a great song. We, we've been singing it in person at Solid Ground too. And, and I love learning about where these songs come from. And I, I found an interview with the, the author of the song, More Than Able. And he says, he says it this way. I don't know what it is about age, but it can talk you out of a lot of things. Growing older can have you start playing it safe getting comfortable enough with your life that you begin to operate in your own strength, or maybe even cause you to no longer believe God for greater things because you stopped remembering all that he's done for you, or you've quit paying attention to how he's in the rhythms of life with you. I resonated with those words because that's a similar pattern to my story. Uh, when I stop to reflect on the prayers that God has answered or the miracles I've seen God perform, I'm blown away. When I think about the crises God has carried me through and carried my family through, I have this sense of awe and gratitude and just feeling in a good way insignificant compared to how big and strong God is. I mean, this morning I was thinking about how God saved my wife's life. It was during a brutal miscarriage where I'd heard the doctor say over and over again, she's coding, we're losing her. For what felt like hours, she's coding, we're losing her. And then a year later, when my son was born, he didn't breathe for seven minutes. He still had a pulse, he still had circulation, but those seven minutes felt like seven years. And hearing the midwife say, Okay, Mike, he's gotta, he's gotta hear his dad's voice and my hand on my back saying, just breathe, Levi, just breathe. Through, it wasn't a very confident voice, let's just say that. And I remember thinking, God, if I can just hear my son's voice, I'll never complain. That's a really dumb promise to make with a baby who's screaming at 2 a.m. three weeks later. But when I think of that moment and hearing his cry for the first time, the relief, 
when I look back, I see how God actually saved my faith. After seeing my church, my home church, split in a fight over my senior pastor's moral failure, it was brutal. And I don't want to go through it again, but as I look back at how God showed up in those moments and making sure that my, my faith I didn't become cynical. I didn't go through deconstruction like is so popular now, but it deepened my faith in Jesus because I had to cling to Jesus. But if I'm telling the truth, I don't think about those moments regularly. Do you? I mean, when was the last time you've reflected on all that God's done for you? And when was the last time you paid attention and noticed just how he's with you in the everyday rhythms of your life? But. I don't want any of us to beat ourselves up over this, okay? It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Show yourself some grace too. But let's consider how old this problem is, forgetting God's goodness. Think about what happened to the Israelites when they were delivered from Egypt and they arrived at the promised land. I mean, there's, there's plagues. There's miracle after miracle, miraculous save saving after miraculous saving, and then provision in the desert, in, the, in this wilderness, and they arrive at the promised land. We find ourselves in the book of Numbers, and it recounts, there's this story in chapter 13 that, that tells the story of how they had this sputtering, stop-start kind of faith, that Moses got together these spies to go explore the, the land that had been promised to them. And they scoped it all out and came back to give their report to Moses and, and all, all who were assembled. And in verse 31, it's, it goes like this. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak who came from the Nephilim. We saw, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked to them the same. So this bad report spread. These, the, these legends of these giant Nephilim of, who lived in the promised land, 10 of these spies were so afraid, and it was worse than just gossiping at the water cooler. They, they spread this bad report to the, to the point where the whole nation rebelled against God, rebelled against the leader Moses, and they were wondering why God, they were wondering out loud, why didn't God just let us die in Egypt? Why didn't God just let us die back there in the desert? Numbers 14.4 says, And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Think about that. We should go back to bondage. We should go back to slavery. After everything they had seen, a pillar of fire by night guiding them, a, a cloud by day hearing God's voice, receiving the Ten Commandments, they just forgot. And the rest of the story is fairly well known, but just as a refresher, everyone who rebelled against God died in the wilderness, including the leader, Moses, for, for something else that got him in trouble a little bit later. But only in this group, only two people, their names were Joshua and Caleb, who happened to be the 11th and 12th spies who entered into the promised land. Only they were allowed to go into the, the land that God promised them. 
and God had promised to give them land. And in this process where they're, they're entering in finally after a whole generation passed away in the desert, they come to the city of Jericho, fortified city, and, and Joshua, who became the leader after, after Moses passed away, he sent spies into Jericho. And they, they met with this, this prostitute named Rahab. And uh, I love Joshua chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Listen to this. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Did you catch that? The second group of spies learned what the people in the promised land thought of the first group of spies. They were scared of them. They, were, they, they knew what God had done for the children of Israel leaving Egypt, how they were miraculously delivered. They heard how God's provision that, that this God that the Israelites serve is, is way different. We need to be careful with them because that God don't mess around. What a perspective shift. And the first set of spies came back and said, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Those people are so big and they're so strong. And it, it, it's, the irony isn't lost on me that, that, um, that here is someone who's outside of the covenant, someone who's not one of, you know, born, doesn't have the birth certificate of someone who's from God's chosen family of people to bless the world. And an outsider, is recognizing what God is doing before the people who were chosen, the people who've had God working and sustaining them right under their nose. This person recognizes something that the people of God forgot. So, so later on, after many years of battles and leadership, Caleb, who's now an old man, approaches Joshua after the battle of Jericho was long a memory. Caleb approaches Joshua with a surprising request. Joshua 14, verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. That's faith. Here's that 85 year old guy saying, I can still fight like I could 45 years ago. And the reason I can fight like I could 45 years ago is because of what God said. And I'm going to trust God to go into this new place and that God's going to be true to God's word. I still believe God will, 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 will be deliver on his promise. And that's the kind of faith that we've been singing about lately in this More Than Able song. There's a lyric in there that says, I've come a long way 
I've seen how you work. There's so much goodness and grace much more than I deserve. That's the kind of perspective I want to have when I'm 85. And I think that you don't get to be 85 and have that perspective by accident. It's got to rehearse daily in your mind the goodness of God. Rehearse daily who God is and how God has proven himself faithful in your life to the generations. So if you haven't paused and seen how far you've come, you're overdue, my friend. You'll find God's goodness and his grace. You'll find him in the big things and you'll find grace is more than you deserve. But don't just look back. Be like Caleb. Look ahead too. And like the song reminds us again, there's, there's another lyric that says, because I know who I am, but I can't stay where I'm at. We've come this far by faith and I just can't turn back. Don't be like the children of Israel saying, oh, the, the chaos that we know and we're familiar with, we'll take that to the uncertainty of possible health and vitality and, and God's provision for us. That's scarier than, than the bondage that we know. No, be like Caleb. He remembered how much God had done on his behalf and on the behalf of the nation of Israel. And he knew that God was more than able to move in miraculous ways as he moved forward in faith. So think about, think about that and in your life. That song we've been talking about says, God is still writing your story. So don't give up on believing him for more. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know how all this is going to turn out. Trust that God is in the details of your life and he's working them together for good. And don't miss this little part in the book of Numbers. We've been in this. This one's easy. It's not included in the, uh, in the Sunday school version and the flannel graphs. But here's this. I, I quote this often. If you've been around here, I've never read it. I've just kind of paraphrased this in Numbers 15. This is right after Israel's rebelled and they're saying, no, we're not going to go in. And God says, hey, this generation is going to pass away and the next generation will go to the promised land. But after that, as part of the follow-up, in Numbers 15, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember and obey my commands and will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So these tassels, and I, I, when I paraphrase this, I always say, I love God's sense of humor. Attach tassels to the corners of your garments. Robes they were wearing back then were round. I can't imagine the conversations. Now, what does God mean by corners? Well, as this practice for thousands of years, this practice predates Jesus, by the way. It's evolved. Even today, you can see these tassels from uh, mostly Orthodox Jewish believers that poke out from underneath a shirt. And they're, they're right there, kind of where the fingertips, where you're walking. And it's designed to remind people 
about God. It's, it's, it's supposed to be a trigger that brings you back. Remember what God's done for you. So these tassels and fringe, were, it was actually a sign of love because God knows that we forget. Well, as the years go by and as, as this practice continues, these tassels turn into prayer shawls. And in the time of Jesus, uh, they had these, these prayer shawls that they called their prayer closets. They would have tassels on the end of them and they could kind of hide and hold the, hold, the, uh, hold the shawl, the scarf around them. And there was this legend that popped up. It's called a midrash from Malachi 4.2. And it says, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And people at the time of Jesus took this to be a, a messianic prophecy saying, when the person, not just the sun, S-U-N, when the Messiah comes, there'll be healing in his wings, meaning at that time, the, whoever the rabbi was at the synagogue, when at the end of service, they would bless everybody. They would take their prayer shawl and hold it out. And it almost looked like a bird. And what was on the end of it? These tassels. So fast forward to Jesus on his way to the house of a guy. This guy, Jairus, his, his 12-year-old daughter was dying and begging Jesus Come and heal my daughter. And while Jesus was on the way, this happens. As he went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, none could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his clothes and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the, the crowd surrounded you and pressed in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could no longer remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people how and why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So this is a, a wonderful story. It has this element of Jesus understanding, whoa, someone touched me and power left me. Why? This woman obviously trusted in Jesus for her healing, but what if she had heard that story? What if she had heard that that, that legend that cropped up around Malachi 4.2, when the sun rises, there'll be healing in its rays, healing in its wings. And it was a statement believing Jesus could heal her, but what if it was also a statement of saying, this is the one, this is God's chosen one. And she was healed. Jesus says this wonderful phrase, your faith has made you well, go in peace. That word peace is so flexible today. Peace, peace out, peace, peace, dude. But peace means way more, especially as the way Jesus is using it and the original, it loses a little bit in translation. It's way more than the absence of conflict. Jesus says, go in shalom, the Hebrew word for, for fully connected and fully in sync in living in perfect harmony with God. Not just in that moment, that woman with the issue of blood, 
her, it wasn't just her body that was healed. When Jesus said, go in peace, her soul, her mind, her emotions, she was healed because God cares about everything and doesn't want you to forget. From the beginning, he's put things in, in place to help us remember. And right now, I think for this season, I think for us, it's this song. As we go through life together, even virtually, I want you to download or go to that song and listen to the lyrics. And as you do, think about what God has done. Think about, yes, in the face of everything that you're facing today and what lies ahead, remember that the same God who delivered you through all that you've been through is still with you right now. That same God who's with you right now is going to be with you tomorrow and in the years to come. And God is still able today to meet you and save you in the midst of everything that you're going through. So I want us to have a moment right now in the midst of everything you're, you're facing. I want you to hear the words of Jesus again. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So my friends, let's, let's be suspicious in a very good way. Let's have a holy suspicion that salvation, that relief, that refreshment it's just around the corner that, that God is, is here to give it, not just to magically take all of our problems away, but let's trust that, that God is the God who he says he is, the God who can meet us and say, go in peace, be healed. So as we, as we remember everything that God has done for us, let's expect that God is going to meet us right where we need it most. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift all the needs that are represented here today. Even, even if someone's not watching this live, and this is years later, we know that, that there's no distance in prayer, but we also know that you exist outside of time. And we ask for your healing, for everything that we're afraid of, everything that we're grieving, everything that we're sad about, everything that we're, we're anxious about. As best as we can, we, we give that over to you. And in this moment, Lord Jesus, would you please give us more grace to trust you even more? We need you in our lives. Open our eyes to all the ways that you are working right under our noses. We trust that you're working all this, that the story's not over. We trust that. We trust that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. God bless you. We hope you're doing well. Please do not be shy and reach out to us. Let us know how you're doing. Reach out to us at sgbic.com or in the comments below. Or, or of course, always you can send us a direct message. And until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. May you remember all the good things that God has done for you. And may the Lord give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.